Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Aaron Douglas from Battlestar Galactica, the chief, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you've seen. Ah! Ah! Lights! So this is how liberty dies. Thunderous applause. Game over, man. Game over. Gremlins. Yes, Gremlins. A Christmas movie. Definitely a Christmas movie. Definitely. It came out in June, though. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, I thought it was weird, too. When I round out that it came out in June, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why it would be like that. But I... I think it had done well. <laughs> yeah. It's a true story. I, I originally saw it in eighth grade, right before Christmas vacation, and was told we were going to watch a Christmas mu- movie. And, and, and this isn't what I was thinking when you said we were going to watch a Christmas movie, but okay. And like, it wasn't like a classroom low. Like, they gathered like the entirety of. Um, eighth grade to watch my science teacher's favorite Christmas movie. That's what we were told. We were gonna watch. We were told we were gonna gather in the auditorium and watch his favorite Christmas movie, and then we watched the Gremlins. Nice. <laughs> so, Good taste. That that is that was my first time watching it, and I was not a horror movie person, so I didn't really enjoy it the first time I watched it because I was like, "What is this? What am I watching right now?" <laughs> Not what I was expecting. So I assume we started the show here, right? Very good. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner oh, tonight. Sorry, I just so, so, so welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner tonight as we are talking Gremlins, <laughs> the uh, classic Christmas movie that came out in June. You said, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm Scott Herzog, by the way. Good evening. I am Miles from McLaughlin. <laughs> I'm Chrissy Rappersberger. And I am the now confused and completely off-put Dave Sellers. No, very good. I'm glad that we can still do that. Um, but you know, it's 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 funny when you were saying, you were talking about Gremlins and being such a um, interesting encounter with it. I was talking to Lisa Lisa Mayo, one of our English teachers at the high school about Gremlins and we were, that we were doing it for the podcast and she said, oh, I tried showing that too. It must have been their son, Tony, when he was like six and then realized partway through, they're like, no, no, we can't watch this. <laughs> you know. Um, interesting factoid. Um, that was one of the movies that triggered off creating the new PG-13 rating. Because wow. Spielberg was criticized for the violence and things in it. And that like it should not have been labeled PG, but it wasn't. So then he was like, well, then you should just make a new rating if you have a problem with my stuff. And that they did. That's interesting. I think I was about that, I think I was about that same age, about six or so, when I, my cousins had me watch it the first time. And <laughs> Dave, they, Dave, I, Dave I watched did... a lot of movies out of my age bracket with that with them. It was really great. <laughs> yeah, so did Dave didn't sleep for weeks <laughs> afterwards. Oh, no, no, no. I slept like a baby. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world because I knew my mom and dad would never let me watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's like Friday the 13th, Universal Soldier, Terminator. They were the, some of the first ones I saw with them. It was great. You know. You said a great childhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to some of the things I watched when I was like five or six that should not have been shown to me as a child either. All I and Terminator was one of them. I, I, I probably watched them. <laughs> Most of those movies I hit when I was a teenage teenager <clears throat> partly because we didn't um grow up with television in our house until uh, i was you know in, in my teens we had a, a television and we went to friends and then we watched a lot of that stuff then so i i did miss that in my youngest childhood uh but 
So I put, I suppose we all survive some of the early scarring that some of these movies maybe do to us and turn out all right in the long run. We were built different, man. Maybe, maybe. Although, Miles, I will never forget watching The Watchmen with you and seeing those young kids in the front row, five, six years old, when Dr. Manhattan's up there with his big blue wiener out. Let's go. Oh, God. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was really uh, questioning these people's parenting skills. I mean, it it was clearly, they were very clear. It's a rated R movie. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah, that, my, that was actually just a little bit of trivia here for those of you listening. That was Miles' very first sci-fi diner. We got we went back and we recorded something kind of informally in the living room there. Wow! Do you remember that? It was fun. To, I, I do remember that. It was. It, it was. You know. Yes, we weren't sure what to do with the movie, but I still had a good time and had a good time talking about it. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yep. That was episode eight, I believe. So, but so that episode takes, eight that takes it way back because tonight is episode 460. Or, oh, wait, is it 460? Very good, 460. That is, and that's actually so. Just so you know, for those of you like have, they're tuning in, depending on when you know where you are at in your sci fi diner journey, we've the numbering is skewed, so it's 460, but then we did like a hundred listener feedback episodes and then we did also we had sci-fi rewind which wasn't a part of that numbering where we like rewind old movies now we just make them a part of a regular show so we're probably like closer to like 600 episodes total but uh we'll just stick with the current numbering so. you, you did episodes where you had yeah, enough numbers, listener numbers. feedback to do a whole episode on it we did yeah. so it was the um i don't know that we had a huge listenership but we just had some dedicated listeners that were giving feedback so Oh, come on, guys. Where are you at now? I got nothing for this week. <laughs> you had it last week, two weeks ago, though. I know. So, Dave, Dave Dave needs his listener feedback fix. It's like a drug for him. So, yeah. you, you need to give him his hit. Let's unpack that. What's going on with that? Just the validation, you know, the pat on the head, you know, whatever it might be. What do you think that you should have outside that? No. <laughs> Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I don't care. you should be extrinsically, intrinsically motivated, not extrinsically. You know what I am? Because where else am I going to go at least twice a month and hang out with the three of you? It's just a fun time. It is. It is such a fun time. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. All right, so we're talking Gremlins tonight, and uh, yeah. Did you want to give any premise for this? A little bit of background to uh, Gremlins, Miles. I know often you have a little bit of history. Yeah, let's do that. Maybe get into a little stats. Um, uh, so, miniature green monsters tear through the small town of Kingston Falls. Hijinks ensue as a mild mannered bank teller releases these hideous loonies after gaining a new pet and violating two to three simple rules no water, no food after midnight. Uh, both violated, no bright light. Hilarious mayhem and destruction in a town straight of, out of Norman Rockwell. So when your washing machine blows up or your TV goes on the fritz because you, you call a repairman, turn on all the lights and look under all the beds because you can never tell there just might be a gremlin in your house. Very true. Very true. So um, the, the gremlin is called by the... Uh, the, uh, I'm assuming it's a Chinese older gentleman, uh, and, and the boy, call, they call him a mogwai. Um, it actually has, um, it's not just a made-up word. It is a transliteration of the Cantonese word uh, monster or evil spirit, devil or demon in, 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 uh, in Chinese culture. So it did make money, made a lot of money uh, for, for, for the 80s. Uh, domestic. It was one hundred fifty-three thousand six hundred forty-two dollars international. It probably wasn't shown as much, but this was back in the eighties. Uh, two hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars and two hundred fifty-six seven hundred ten thousand. So worldwide, uh, just under uh, one hundred fifty-four million dollars. But it was also re-released again in the mid-eighties, I guess, to uh, maybe promote the uh, the VHS release. So. Um, it made it. It did well. 
I mean, it did get a sequel, and this is crazy talk, but uh, there's talk of a third Gremlins maybe coming out in the next year or two. Wow, that could be really cool. That that could be, but then we, we almost would need to watch the second one and then the third one to review it. But anyways, um, yeah. And interestingly enough, the word Gremlin comes from World War One with the Royal, I think it was the Royal Air Force. Um, and they were like trying to basically say like, oh, the reason why the aircraft is not working is because there's gremlins in the system. Um, so that's kind of like where that that idea originated. Um, I'm sure like we go further back. Um, there may be some like folkloric um, origins to the idea of where they would have come up with saying that, oh, they're just gremlins, like goblins of the system, you know, making our aircraft not work and then that word got trans into uh american culture and that's what we're like to which we still use today yeah it's amazing we use that growing up all the time well i'm sure you know in your maintenance stuff they're like oh there's gremlins in the system dave you gotta go fix it Mm -hmm. right Right. oh yeah well american Motor company made a little car called the Gremlin back back in back in the day. I remember seeing people driving Gremlins around. <laughs> so they're they're I mean they're it's very much embedded into the American culture, and so um, this movie is kind of in some ways um, iconic that way. Before you even see it, <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys, do you think this thing still holds up now, like almost 40 years later? Um, yes and no. Okay. Is it a Christmas So when movie? I watched... No, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. When I watched... I mean, I, I saw it as a kid, until a teenager when it came, came out. But uh, watching it again now, I'm, I'm trying to think... Um. What I mean, it, 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 it's kind of marketed sort of as a kid's movie. It really isn't. I mean, there are some horrible things going on in this movie. And it's, I mean, you have this cute, cuddly creature, but there's just some horrible, terrible things going on. The writer had to be on drugs when he wrote this movie. <laughs> there had to be drug use going on. And, and, and when you watch this movie, you have to ba- turn off your su- suspension of disbelief completely because the way these people act, um, all, all, all the people in this movie, this is the 80s. There, there are characters that very two-dimensional. Uh, very, very, some of these people have no redeeming value whatsoever. and But they're all a little stupid. A little bit. It's also a horror movie that's kind of like baseline. No, practically stupid in them. Um, yeah, so that's what I was like. In some ways, like I was like, I could see it being like made today, but the way that it would be made would be very different. Right. And it was just very eighties culture for the time period. It's it's, um, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting because when you start the movie, you really don't get the sense that this is a horror movie of, of any sorts. I mean, it's kind of idyllic. You 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 find this this guy is looking for a pet for his son. He you know has a very it's a wonderful life vibe and feel. You you know even the even down to the bank tellers and people's mortgages being out like very idyllic Christmas feel to to the movie like you watch the first 20 25 30 minutes of it it's business as usual you know that it's going to be you know that they're going to violate the three laws like right off the bat like they make it clear when they say there's three things and especially when the chinese the old chinese guy um says that he doesn't want you know he he doesn't want to sell it and you know when the kid sells it because they need the money and that the the three rules they kind of focus on that a lot, so you know they're going to be violated. But you know, up to that point, you're like, this is really kind of a really idyllic kind of 
fun little Christmas movie. And then it just changes. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and yes, it, it doesn't is. and it doesn't like it just escalates. Like it just goes from like zero to sixty. It's like the very first thing you encounter after they change into the gremlins is not like a series of escalating like they're getting worse. It's no, we're just gonna murder the teacher like right there. It's done. Um I love yeah. they're all hanging out in the bar, smoking, getting drunk, <laughs> swinging from the freaking the fan. The one puts a, the one that has the glasses and the trench coat and is flashing the bartender from the thing out of there. Like, really? Where did you learn this in the last thirty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> they they really. I was thinking. Good. Like, they just descend into madness really quickly. Like it does not take them long. Yeah. They googled it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where you have to suspend your disbelief. The gremlins somehow manage to find clothes that fit them, and yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, I mean, Stripe has a gun that fits his hand. You just have to go with it. It's just like you know that you know the, <laughs> these creatures are small, but they they now have clothes, trench coats, hats, uh, every, you know. But yeah, you just you kind of have to check your brain out when you watch this movie, and just enjoy the mayhem and um, chaos these creatures cause for this town. And in watching it, I was trying to think what kind of theme, like a lot of movies, explore something about the human condition. And it could be something that's dark and uh, maybe evil about the human condition. I'm not sure what this movie was trying to explore. Maybe Chrissy, you know, a resident psychologist can can help. Well, I think that if, if you think about it as gremlins, right, and you had a new, where the origin of the word gremlins, right, coming from Air Force war um you know it's new technology we're not sure how it works and it keeps malfunctioning you have an inventor who is trying to make all these inventions and his inventions keep breaking and we're not and he doesn't really know why colloquially we would say oh there's a gremlin in your invention right very end when the chinese man comes and collects gizmo he says of this creature you were not ready you should not have him watch television and you like everything like the rest of your culture is out there destroying nature and so in some ways you can think about this as as technology has progressed you see a lot of unattended consequences from that from irresponsible technological advancement destroying the world and destroying society and destroying our lives so you could make that argument that that was one of the themes that was being underlined in this movie. You can't argue with that one. Right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I mean, especially when you, well, the one little funny thing I was looking at it was whoever invented the damn Furby stole yes. it right out of this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know like what? Freaking Mogwai. Those things were like I still remember how popular they were. It's it's actually really funny that you said that because I was like, oh my god, they are like Furbies, and the number of my peers that had those Furbies and were quote unquote not ready for the responsibility of having this thing constantly asking them for like this that and interacting with them almost like a pet. The number of kids that just shoved them in a closet and like hoped they died, <laughs> like it's really funny. When you think about, like, how that ended up being, like, okay, if you guys couldn't handle this thing, this toy, could you handle a pet? I mean, I have both of my cats, and I was just looking at one being like, you're a little gremlin, you know that? Like, yeah. you're just getting into all sorts of trouble tonight. Um, And 
true. Like it is, it's a lot of responsibility and you have three rules and you can't follow three simple rules and things happen. So yes, um, the responsibility of nature and technology is definitely something that one could argue was explored not very deeply in this horror movie, but it's there. It's there if you want to find it. It's there if you want to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty sure I either yes, smashed sure I, my sister's I, or I either smashed my sister's Furby or I blew it up with an M80. I can't remember what. <laughs> the, like, the M80 would have been more spectacular. I, well, it probably was because it would have fit the time when I did have a stash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> 80s, 90s. I think, I think the gremlins look a little bit like Grogu. Yeah. Go on. Okay. A little less, a little more furry, but yeah. Yeah. Same, same look. I, I, yeah, he's obviously built over, off of Yoda, right? And Yoda came way before the gremlins, but. Yeah. Did the triples come before the gremlins or after? I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh be- way before. before. Triples, 60s. Okay, yeah, that was that was original. I was like, original? When did, when did they show up? That, that was definitely original. Also, wonder if like their multiplying thing with the water didn't come out of that. Because oh, I mean, they were they. I mean, there were so many. I mean, because it looked when it first started multiplying, it looked almost like I was like, those kind of look like triples to me, like multiplying. So, but I mean, it's a Spielberg movie, and like they're all, you know friends with one another i'm sure all of those producers so you know yeah yeah it was you know i was the the opening scenes of that movie just to jump back toward the beginning the moment they showed like where it was at kingston falls i instantly saw back to the future because it's the same set it's a back to the future set right yep and it was used like in every 80s movie that almost that you uh came was all filmed the universal lot right um so it was neat to say, oh, yep, there's a clock tower there. And this, is, this of course, is before Back to the Future, because Back to the Future was 1985. This was 1984, but it was the same set. But, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, just that quintessential Midwestern, middle-of-nowhere town, could be anywhere in the United States kind of feeling um, that, like, all 80s movies seem to have. Did anybody else find the Phoebe Cates' story of why she hates Christmas? Oh, that was disturbing as hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> my gosh. It just like, like it went like way, way heavy, way deep, and and just like boom. And then it's like, okay, so now that I've shared my trauma with you, like wanna go for a day? Like her's like, whoa. Girl. Yeah, like the movie, the the movie's already like a seven or an eight, and just that one set of dialogue cranked it up to eleven. It, and <laughs> Wait, it's like, so you push your like, dad up in the freaking chimney? Yes. Take the firemen to break open the chimney, and you know they—that's where they found dad. And, wow. and it's just one of those things where, like, what? That was like a complete, like, you could remove that completely from the movie and her dislike of Christmas and it not really change a whole lot, like, truthfully. No. So, like, it it kind of baffled me as to why it was in there, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) That was just a twisted unnecessary. We're gonna, we're gonna... Well, we're going to put a whole little plug that, you know, not everyone likes Christmas because sometimes people have trauma around Christmas. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that would give, that would definitely give me trauma at Christmas if that would happen. Yeah. I would be, I would would be, I would be in sessions with Christy forever, you know, for this. You you really would. (laughs) You got to give them some, they went big with, you know, it wasn't just, you know, there are people that hate Christmas, but their reasons are kind of maybe shallow and vacuous. No, let's let's come up with the most messed up thing that can happen to a child. Yes, at, at Christmas, um, Dad dresses up as Santa Claus. Thinks, "Hey, I will just I'll come down the chimney." He slips, he breaks his neck. They don't know where Dad is for the next couple of days until they smell something coming from the chimney. Rotting corpse. <laughs> I mean, it it 
I forgot about that. I'm like listening to this thing. It's like that is the most one of the most messed up things I've ever heard. <laughs> well, like, what, what what kind of house do you live in that you have a ch- in this in this little town that you have a chimney big enough that a grown man can fit into? Well, I mean, to Miles' point, the person was on drugs when he wrote it. I mean, like, it had to have been. Um, just, just saying that that happens. Um, it's like, yeah. this person needs a tragic backstory. What can I think? It's like, take another hit. Yeah, such a terrific, yeah, for such a minor character. Yeah, like, and, and to Miles' earlier point, like, everyone else, very two-dimensional. But her, we're just gonna give her this whole fleshed-out backstory and this whole thing, and even though she's just a psychic, like, they went, like, completely... Oh. Nope. Uh, have any of you guys ever watched the second one? Oh yeah, it's been I a while know. though. Is it as good as this one or worse? It's. I think. I think it's cheesier. Uh, Robert cheesier. Ricardo uh, plays a character in there. Oh no, kidding! But do well, now I have to watch yes. it. Uh, John Glover. Um, yes. He, he's in yes. it too. He plays this this uh, smarmy, sleazy, bad guy in there. Huh. Uh, but. Uh, they did. They do. They they kind of go some over the top places with the gremlins in the second one. Yeah, you, you you'll you enjoy it. Well, I Chris, mean, you did have a good question about Robert Picardo. Do we see his ass in the second movie? I mean, that is <laughs> no. the question. Well, then why would we even watch it? Yeah. <laughs> what would be the point? <laughs> you can't to, see that man's butt. So you asked whether the guy that wrote this was on drugs. So here's where the conception for Gremlins came from. The Stories of Gremlins was conceived by Chris Columbus, not the uh, famous boatman. As Columbus explained, his inspiration came from his loft when at night what sounded like a platoon of mice would come out and he would hear them skittering around the blackness. It was really creepy. He then wrote the original screenplay as a spec script to show potential employers that he had writing abilities. The story was not actually intended to be filmed until Spielberg took an interest in turning it into a film. As Spielberg explained, it's one of the most original things I've come across in many years, which is why I bought it. He considered Spielberg considered Tim Burton to direct the film after seeing his short film Frankenweenie, um, but ended up deciding to do it himself. But that's kind of a little bit of the the first he said and so get this the first version was much darker than the final film if you can believe it can you imagine a tim burton version of this film i know uh-huh yep various scenes were cut including which which portrayed billy's mother dying in her struggle with the gremlins with her head thrown down the stairs when billy arrives can you imagine that? Dante later explained the scene made the film darker than the filmmakers wanted. There's also a scene where the gremlins ate Billy's dog and a scene where the gremlins attacked at McDonald's, eating customers instead of burgers. Also, instead of Stripe being the Mogwi who became a gremlin, there was originally no Mogwi named Stripe. Rather, Gizmo was supposed to transform into Stripe the gremlin. But I get that. So, so it's too dark... To to have the, the the gremlins killing and maiming and eating people. That's too dark, but we're going to talk about this uh, secondary character's dad dying in a chimney and stinking him out. That's 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 fitting for that. Okay. If it, if the movie went the way the originally written, I, be a hard I, I R. think. Well, it would be a hard R, but it would have been like a. Almost like a, a B horror movie that you know would just have some cult fan, you know, a small group, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't enjoy the mainstream popularity that you know it, 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 that has now. I mean, it wouldn't have Spielberg behind it, right. and so right. Well, know, let me, this this would have been. Oh, we could have had Tim Burton. <laughs> well, you know this this whole scene that you mentioned, Dave, is based on an actual urban legend. Like a real urban legend, yeah. And um, and that scene uh, where this her the father Kate's father dies dressed up as Santa Claus and broke his neck while climbing on the chimney, the studio executives insisted upon its removal because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it's supposed to be funny or sad. 
Dante, the guy that wrote it, refused to take it out, saying it represented the film as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Spielberg did not like the scene, but despite creative control, he viewed Gremlins as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. See, I I get that because my my other reaction to that was was laughter. Because as twisted as it is, it didn't fit in with everything else, like this is so ridiculous. This has to be a joke. Right. Right. Well, they actually parody the same scene in Gremlins 2, a new batch, which Miles, you could speak to that maybe more, but I don't remember. But he blocked it. Said it was too it was too much. Yep. <laughs> no, it's just been so long. Uh. Yeah, no, I I completely forgotten about that scene. Um until I watched it again, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this was that dark. I remember why I didn't watch this movie for a really long time, but um, I was like, Christmas sci-fi movie. The only one I can think of right now is Gremlins. <laughs> and here so, we are. Here we are. Yeah. But, so it's interesting that, like I said earlier, I was like, you could have just taken that scene out. I don't know that it really would have changed the movie, but the person who wrote it was like, no, this scene is the movie. <laughs> this scene that is so so interesting to me yeah well it makes like, sense when his explanation does make sense the comedic and horror blend totally makes sense yeah well i mean the the movie is a comedic and horror blend i mean the bar scene is kind of funny and like they're in there like watching snow white and the seven doors and they're just like out of, they're like sing along they're having a grin like they're like this is great this is a masterpiece of something and you're like okay that's what you all like interesting and they just get blown up, and like you see them all like dying with the flames. Yeah. I mean, so, did this guy Chris Columbus write anything else? Well, let me go see. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, we're... he was a producer in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, so he went on to big things. Yeah, he did. Oh. Yep. Yep. He's filling his school of arts. He also uh, he gained soon after. He did Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. So yeah, he has some he has some he has some small credits. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So but this is kind of like his big thing. He was born in Spangler, Pennsylvania. There you go. Hey, local boy, may it be. Yeah, mo- local boy on the other side of Pittsburgh, but yeah. <laughs> well, still. Still still big Pennsylvania. Country. But, still yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah. What else did he written? Let's see. Oh, well, did you ever did you ever watch the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, with Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Uh, yes, oh. I did. Th- they're great movies. He has yep. a writing credit on the Goonies. Yep. Huh. Yep. Um, Guy does got some. Uh, he's got some titles under his belt. Good. Well, the movie made decent money, so it's. You know, I know we're talking about how weird it is, but it made money, so it probably afforded these people other opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. No. Yeah. He also uh, helped out with uh, making the help. This is a fairly well-known movie. Oh yeah, um, Night in the Museum, Pixels, uh, and a wide variety yeah. of, of movies too. It's not like he just stuck to the comedy horror genre; like yep. it's all over the place. Yep. Huh. Yep. So well, good. Yeah, very good. Good for him. Um, you know, this is when he was getting his chops into the business. I mean, this is, this is the product. It was a writer. He didn't direct this one. He directed many of the other movies we mentioned, but yeah. So. There we go. I can hear you. Where did you, uh, yeah, my, so you hear me because I'm coming through my MacBook pros mic and I have a separate mic that actually gets out into the podcast. So. Uh, so, um, I, there's a lot of '80s actors notables in this movie. Um, I mean, BB Cates, we know her from Best Times at Ridgemont High. Zach Galgan's been a lot of stuff. Um, the 
the grandfather, he, he you know, he, he's, he's been a lot of things. Uh, Dick Miller, uh, the guy saying, you know, complained about foreign made vehicles. Um, <laughs> he was, you know, he was funny. Uh, Corey Feldman, a young Corey Feldman is in this. I, I had to love his tree, his, his Christmas tree costume that he, his dad made him wear. Um, in this, uh, Judge Ryan Hold was a bit role, but I mean, he's a very recognizable person in this movie. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a who's who of, uh, you know, popular actors throughout the 80s in this film. Very good. Am I seeing this right? Howie Mandel yeah, did Gizmo's yeah. voice? Yeah, it was Gizmo's voice. Yes. Uh, so as a voice talents, uh, also, I mean, uh, Howie Mandel, um, the, the guy who did a stripe, he, he, I think he did, um, let's see, Frank Welker on what I'm trying to, th- I think he, he did Megatron in, in Transformers. Oh, go cool. check that. Yeah. Whenever I see Howie Mandel, all I can think of is America's Got Talent or like, you know, all that sort of that, that those sorts of shows, but well, I mean, uh, he he had that, uh, cartoon Bobby's world. Yeah. Um, Frank Welker, you know, he was the voice of Megatron in uh, the, the, uh, generation one transformers. So, interesting. Yeah, a lot, lot of, lot of, uh, lot of '80s notables in this film. That's awesome. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, I thought the for you know the technology for the Gremlins for the time was pretty good. It was, it was not stop motion. Uh, it was all animatronic. Right. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can kind of it, tell it holds up. It holds up fairly well for being an '80s movie. Yeah. It really does. I mean, some of them were very quintessential '80s effects, and I'm not saying that like they're bad. They just you just don't usually see them much anymore. Like the smoking, like everything was like smoking, like the fog machines and stuff they kept using, and like the weird green lights. Like I don't know that they would choose those kind of special effects today to show like transformation and like multiplication of them all like in the swimming pool because i'm like why are they all like smoking and transforming but i know like back then because they didn't have a whole lot of effects it was easy like that was kind of almost like a cheap way of showing a transformation without actually having to show it right Right. um and the skeleton at the end that popped out of the pool oh yeah Chef's kiss, like that was just so perfect, perfect eighties. I was just like, oh yes. Yeah. Well, did you hear? Did you did you guys watch through the credits of the movie? I didn't. No. Is there a post credit scene? When you get to the end, you can hear the gremlins laughing. Oh, uh, you know what? You say I do remember filing out of the auditorium in eighth grade and hearing them laughing. Yeah, so that's uh that's uh they knew there was gonna be a movie too. No, I don't know. Well, I mean, it left it open for a movie too, and he was like, Well, when you're ready, Gizmo will be waiting. So you're like, Well, I guess they're gonna have a good they're gonna have a second one. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah. We'll talk about the scene in the house. The, the, the mom is an interesting character. She's a very long-suffering patient. I mean, her husband makes these inventions that don't work. Um, yeah. She's in the kitchen making Christmas cookies, and, and then, you know, the, the, the gremlins have made their transformation. She becomes this tremendous badass. I mean, uh, <laughs> she kills one turning on the food processor. Uh, she stabs one with a knife. She turns on the microwave, um, and you, you she's see, smart. She, she's the, one of the smarter characters in the whole movie. Um, she's the when you see the swords on the wall, it's like okay, there's they have swords on the wall. That must a sword's going to be used eventually, and, and we, we're not disappointed. Um, uh, Billy takes the sword, cuts the head off, and it's a very <laughs> spooky, creepy scene. You see the head in, in, in the fire burning and stuff, and uh, that. But yeah, I was just like, wow, she just, she just like, she, her inner Ripley comes out. She just goes she, out. And- 
Yeah, jokes. she did not like. She saw what was going on, and most women would be like, "I am out of here. These things are like, I'm done." Like, like you see, like most, like, we see a spider on the wall. We're like, "Uh, honey, there, there's a spider. Come kill it." Like, we're done. Like, we're not doing this. These things are not spiders. These things are huge, and they're me. And she just like, I am stabbing you with a knife. Like, she was not pulling any punches. I loved her. Probably my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. She's the, probably the smartest and toughest char- character in the whole film. Yes, you yeah. go, girl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Another message, you know. Uh, yes. Definitely. Smart women. Yes, women's empowerment. Who knows when we find some women's hey, if, if anything, the man of the house feels a bit dopey and wonky. Yes, he does. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, this I, I thought the scene Go ahead. where he's in the... He's at the convention, and there's some really old sci-fi tropes, or maybe they're playing homage to things. There's the, the classic time machine from the time the time machine movie. Uh, there's there's Robbie the robot from Forbidden Planet. Uh, there's probably some other things. There's those two, two kind of Easter eggs I, I saw. Those just kind of funny. Um, what they were doing in there, and and, and we, we we get. We're kind of, um, it's kind of implied that the time machine actually works and disappears. You know, there's a scene where it's there and disappeared. They're looking for it. It was just, so they they did some goofy stuff in this movie. Yes. And and I do find, and I found that really funny because he's like holding his like little invention thing that like, I don't think you could like really market even on like an as seen on TV sort of thing today. And he's like, well, you know, the, the competition is a little more advanced than, than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. You <laughs> sound like a robot hung around here like... Just a little, little, little advanced beyond you, sir. So. Yeah. This film did uh, this film did win a lot of awards, especially Saturn Awards, which I know is not like a Grammy or anything, but they say certainly won awards, eight awards in science fiction categories. Um, and so it definitely was respected for what it was in the science fiction community uh, at the time it was at the time it was released. So definitely notable. Not one that typically you hear people saying, hey, this is a Christmas movie, probably because of the horror elements. But um it definitely deserves to be our Christmas movie this year, so I did. did it, it does, it. and you and you can thank my eighth grade advanced science teacher for yeah, teaching me that this true. was a Christmas movie. It was indeed, indeed. Well, um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about regarding this movie? The people that um, end up get killed are like, it, it, the the film seems to imply that they had deserved it. Uh, it <laughs> I. I Miss, like Mrs. Deagle, I mean, very two-dimensional baddie. They they, they mess around with her um, chair that goes up the stairs. Uh, she has a funny launches out of the house. Uh, the the two inept cops. Um, the one guy who plays the deputy, I've seen him in tons of stuff. His name eludes me, but he's he's just done tons of movies and TV in the eighties. But uh, their their breaks are you know, messed up by the gremlins. Uh, it seems like those that meet their ends deserved it. Yeah, even least- the science teacher was like, you know, experimenting kind of cruelly on the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they, they're embracing the idea of karma, huh? Yeah. In, in some ways, although I'm not sure that it's like that, that warranted right like but maybe maybe he's been cruelly experimenting on other animals this entire time and we just don't know that um yeah yeah well you know maybe chris columbus had a, a, a did not have a good experience with his science teacher in high school just saying unlike me who had a great experience with my science teacher yeah. <laughs> and remember him very fondly right <laughs> um, right right uh, Taylor Swift would approve, though, with the karma, but just saying. God. <laughs> I don't get the reference, but I'm not. I, it's, I a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a song off her new album. So just, 
ignore it. I don't need to know. I'm purposely. I'm I, I, still, I, 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 I own it. I own like 80% of Taylor Swift's vinyl. So just say, well, oh, you're going to be my daughter's next best friend then. Good. Tell her to come over. But oh, God. I don't get it. I don't need to get it. Although speaking of music, I did really enjoy the score. It was very quintessential eighties. Yes. Absolutely. But I did really enjoy it. Like just because I was actually like, I was watching the movie, but I was also like, cleaning and doing stuff other like while I was watching it and I was like I really like this music it's like really good but I was also like this is very 80s music yes very but it was good Well, you know, oh. if uh, if if you guys have other things to talk about the movie, I don't want to cut it short. But we can we can we can we kind of leapt into this talking right about Gremlins, which is what people might be turning in for. But we can talk about kind of as we head into this holiday season, what are some of the things we've been watching and we've been into? Uh, if you guys are okay with that, I know it's kind of a little bit of reverse order for the Sci-Fi Diner. Yeah. But I'm all I'm all I'm all to talk about that if you guys are up for it. Mix it up a little sure. bit. Yeah, I know. Well, since. Along with the theme of Steven Spielberg, uh, I watched the new Indiana Jones movie, uh, Dial of Destiny. That was pretty good. I, it didn't get a lot of love at the box office and the critics, but... Well, so uh, I, 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 I get that, right? Like, I watched it too, right? And it feels like you're watching an Indiana Jones movie from the 80s, which is what you're meant to do. But that also yes. that also stylizes it into a different generation. And I can understand why the movie didn't do real well because that's sort of, you know, constant action slapstick comedy type thing is not something that people are really like, you know, hammering for right now. But Okay. I haven't watched it yet. You I'm, should. I'm, I was, you should watch it. Yeah. I plan on it. Yeah. It's just, well, I've, I'm glad to hear your guys take on it because yeah. everything I had heard from reviews and, Box office stuff was pretty rough. It's only missing one thing, and that's Shia LaBeouf. That's all. Oh, <laughs> he's not in this one. Um, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you view he, it, but <laughs> he must have already made his dreams come true. He did. He just did it. Good for him. Do it. <laughs> but yeah. So Miles, go ahead. Tell me. Tell you were talking about that, and I jumped in. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, Miles, we lost. Miles? We lost I'm Miles. sorry, my, my, my speakers went out for a second. What was okay. the last thing you said? No, I just said, um, I jumped in on your conversation about Dial Destiny. Uh, you were talking about your sci fi world. Go ahead. Um, okay, he's not there. Are you I, there, I'm Miles? Back. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I couldn't hear you. My, my speaker went out for some reason. No, that's fine. Hey, um, so I know I jumped in and horned in on your parade there talking about Dial of Destiny. I didn't want to interrupt. Go ahead. Why don't you tell us a little bit more what's going on in your sci-fi world? That's the last thing I'm watched. Um, uh, I was watching Quantum Leap. That seems to be on a, on a hiatus at the moment. I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, the Cast and Time series by Ed Nelson. I'm up to the third book. Uh, the, the premise is this this older gentleman is 90s um, he, uh, he he dies and he wakes up and he's in the eighth century England uh, the man's background is he's an army general but he's like a like an engineer and after he'd retired he went back to school and kept learning so it's a it, it, it's a what if okay if 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 you, if you take somebody who knows engineering, chemistry, uh, mechanics of any kind, and tries to modernize, he, he wakes up as a like a baron in his twenties, and he he takes his ideas, and he realizes this is not the time that he grew up in. It's an alternate timeline which makes it convenient so he can do whatever he wants and he transforms his, his, his barony and, and this part of England where he he's living in and using uh, eighth century technology to try and make modern, um, uh, modern machines uh, try, try to improve people's lives by uh, like um, 
modern plumbing, modern sanitation, modern medicine. And, and doesn't get tried for witchcraft. Well, it's it's good thing you said some because he 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 has to try to balance it out by not upsetting the clergy. And so sometimes what he will do is he will talk to people and almost like it make up hey that make it like this was their idea. It's like right. you know what if we did this and he you know it's he kind of manipulates some people thinking you know that they come to that leap that and so that, that's how he gets away with some of it. it he, he tries to. He realizes the world he lives in that some of this, a lot of this stuff will be thought of as witchcraft, and so he has to f- balance it in a way that no, it's just it's science. It's 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 based on you know natural laws. This is not, uh, and yeah, he, so he has to make the clergy happy, but at the same time he wants to get his way in trying to improve a lot of people's uh, lives in, in the medieval period. So it's interesting, interesting exploration of what life was like back then. Uh, what if he could bring like 20th century uh, ideas to try to improve people's lives? And he improves his own lot in life too. He becomes this uh, rich and powerful baron. And uh, they don't explain how he reincarnates into this young baron in the, in the 8th century, but maybe that they'll do that. And there's a fourth book coming up but it's more like he ta- he takes all his knowledge and transforms his his part of the the world with uh, you know mo- modern technology and modern science. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, in my sci-fi world, uh, I'll go next. The uh, you're talking about the Indiana Jones style destiny. I thought finally we have a movie now again with Nazis being the bad guys. I mean, come on, nothing's more Indiana Jones than the Nazis, right? Um, and I was, I did wonder. Other than was, Indiana Jones. Right, right, absolutely. So, so, uh, so I watched that, um, watched the, uh, 60th anniversary of Doctor Who with Dave Tennant returning as the doctor. So, and Donna Noble coming back. It was fantastic. Kiefer and I watched the first two episodes and absolutely loved it. Everything you want in a Doctor Who episode. And Neil Patrick Harris will be making an appearance eventually. So we're really excited about oh, that. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then the other thing I watched is uh, Kiefer and I power through Loki. I'd gone through half the season and kind of gave up on it. And then we watched it. I was glad that we did because it was much better than I thought it was going to be. And was a fitting end to the Loki franchise because... Tom Hiddleston's not going to be reprising that role anytime soon. And um, at least word in street habit, he's not doing it anymore. So, uh, but it was a fantastic end and talk about time travel. The final couple episodes totally deal with time travel. So in fact, the entire season is kind of playing around with it. So, so yeah, so watch that. And uh, that might be all from the uh, sci-fi world. Um, I am. I'm reading the Dresden Files yet. Just finished the episode. Just finished the episode. the The book where he was a ghost and now he's he's re- he's not reincarnated. His spirit comes back to his body through some sort of fantastical means that they make you believe in the story. And I'm totally buying it. So I'm now into book thirteen or fourteen of the series, and it is it's good. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to my three minute drive to work to listen to it. And many times we'll listen to it. in my walk afterwards. So, and sometimes when I walk the dog after school, I, uh, I listen to it, but it's pretty, pretty fantastic. But yeah. So, uh, Chrissy, why don't you go next? Um, well, I took a break from, from reading science fiction. Some classic non-science fiction, um, books recently. Um, so mostly what's been going on in my um, sci-fi fantasy world has been um, the next patch of Dragonflight. So I've been working through that because Blizzard dropped new um, the raid and the new seasons for the dungeons, and they had their anniversary event, and they're having these other events. And there's just there's just a lot going on that I was trying to keep up with with all of my alts because. I can't just play one character because obviously, you know, why would you do that? Focus. I mean, me focus on anything. It's crazy talk in my free time. Um, so 
that is what I've mostly been doing. Um, and I've been playing around a little bit on my violin with some various like themes of different plays of different songs. So, and no, I will not perform for any of you. I want to, I want to any hear, of, it. hear it proof. No, I'm not playing okay. any of the like themes for you guys. My, it's just for me. Um, but concerning hobbits is definitely happening. I will not be playing that on my violin. I will not sully such an instrument. Just a few bars. I was surprised it took us 55 minutes to make the first reference. I'm proud of you guys. We're doing better. We're doing better. People are going to try that into like a drinking game. Like how many times you piss me off with that song. It gets them to listen and watch the show. I'm all for it. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, who wants to get hammered folks? Oh, there we go. The late night at the diner. Dave, how about you? What's going on in your science fiction world? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, watch gremlins for this show. Um, we watched our theater department at high school. Their fall play was called was the the play called Puffs, yep. which is a comedic side story in the Harry Potter world. It takes place across the the movies. It was it was entertaining. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Right. Um, because I know the movies and we've watched them all forever. The, the jokes that were in there were hilarious. There were a lot of sci-fi jokes. Ever- a lot of sci-fi jokes in it. <laughs> really, really are. It, it was it was entertaining. I'm glad we went and saw it. My kid loved it. She's she's all about was all about the Harry Potter. Um, so yeah, that was that. Um, more not so much sci-fi, but more nerd culture. Uh, we watched a movie called Eight Bit Christmas. If you guys have seen that one or I not? Ah, uh, it's on. Uh, I think it's on Max, HBO Max. Um, it's you, when you mentioned Neil Patrick Harris is what reminded me of it because he he plays the, the dad in this story, and he's tell, talking to his daughter. His daughter wants a phone for Christmas, and he's telling her no, and goes on to tell her this story about how when he was a kid in the mid late eighties, all he wanted for Christmas one year was a Nintendo. And it went through his story of how he ended up going to the Nintendo. Lots of neat, nostalgic stuff in there. It was a funny movie. I, I certainly recommend it. If you, if you want a, a decent new Christmas movie to watch, it was really, really good. Um, and then every other extra bit of spare time I have has been pretty much soaked back in the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and playing zombie mode online with all kinds of people. That has absorbed much of my free time. <laughs> well, and I have enough. no regrets or shame. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. Very good. Awesome. Well, it was great chatting with each one of you tonight. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, it was great hanging out with you guys. And I believe that's it. So, Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram. Send us your listener feedback at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Or respond on Facebook. We can include Facebook comments too. Yeah. So. And if you want the loot, again, if you guys have been listening, send me an email, sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Say, Dave, I want loot, and we will send you some stuff. Yeah. It'll be your Christmas present. Hi. Yes. So. I love loot. Yes. I prefer epics. Yep. I could get some best in slot trinkets. I was going to say I like booty, but it it comes out really bad now. It really kind of does at this point. We're past talking. You need to practice for next September so that we can have an entire episode talking Talking like like a pirate.